We are shows what you know. We'll always watch TV. And if you think we can't, we'll watch more and you'll see. That's why the people of the web believe in Jim from Las Vegas and Jacob from Sweden. Welcome back to Men, your one and only podcast. Of course, of course it is. You haven't been cheating on us, have you? Discussing your favorite television show, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. We're back for season two, and I'm so excited. I was so excited when this dropped because The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel was one of the best shows that came out last year, and we had some of the best time just discussing it. So this week we're getting into the details of the first half of the season. We couldn't uh, restrain ourselves into just one episode, but we're doing the first five for now and coming back for the last five. I'm here, of course. My name is Jacob Burrows, and I have my fellow Maisel man with me, whose name is... Jim Scampoli, and Amy Sherman Palladino is a personal hero of mine. Give her all the awards. Give her a Star Wars movie. Give her a Marvel movie, a marvelous Mrs. Maisel mm-hmm. movie. Uh, yep. Yes, very excited for season two of Marvelous Miss Maisel. Did it live up to the hype? At least so far, uh, we will be discussing episodes one through five. Um, so, I mean, I guess spoilers through one through five, right? Or, or do we want to talk generals? No, let's. Well, I think just warning no, up top. We might discuss details yeah. for the first five episodes, not beyond the first five episodes, though. Yes, very true. And speaking of giving them all the awards, like I feel like we were. Like, not to brag, but this is one of those times when we were into something on the ground level because we saw the pilot when it was first released on the Amazon Pilots thing. We watched all the Amazon Pilots that came out, and uh, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, it stood out to us as an amazing piece of art, and we were like, please give us more art, give us more Mrs. Maisel, and they did deliver on season one. Still, even when season one was coming out, it didn't feel like, you know, a household name, Maisel, um, and it's only like recently, like towards the end of the year, as it won, I think, literally every award there is. Uh, I think people have started paying attention, and I think season two is going to have a lot more people tuning in, and a lot of people discovering the show for the first time. What do you think? Yeah, I agree, but also it's still surprisingly uh, somewhat unknown. I mean, obviously it's getting a lot of buzz because of the awards, but I guess it's still at least here in the States, and yeah, where you are too, because if you don't know that Jacob, Jacob's in another country, he's in the, he's in the Ireland. He's in the Ireland. Uh, <laughs> yep, <laughs> that's what we call it. But um, as someone who, I was in New York at the beginning, beginning of December, uh, end of November, mm-hmm. beginning of December, I was actually there, and I'm like hanging out in my hotel room on uh, 6th Avenue and... I forget what street is it like. Oh, you're not a New Yorker, then, I believe. I believe it's 47th. It's basically it was a block up from uh, the Rainbow Room in NBC Studios, and I'm scrolling through Twitter, and happening right now, a block away from me, is the Mrs. Maisel season two uh, premiere parties going on, and I'm all just trying to figure out what connects I have. How can I get in there? Uh, yeah. but we that- run the market. Surely you've heard of Maisel, man. You <laughs> yeah. were like knocking on the door, like, no, no, we have like ten subscribers. Come on, let us in. Uh, but then on top of that, that weekend I was there for one of the days when they'd opened up Carnegie Deli as a pop up in promotion for Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I did not get in AMA, uh, but I did go down there. It was in uh, Soho, um, 
and I got in line, um, which I found out later was the standby line. It wasn't like a line where they were letting people in. It was only a line of like if someone cancels, then you can get in. Right, and I'm going to cut you off just because like so I'm clear. It was a deli, oh, and they were selling food, Uh, but Maisel food. Yes, Carnegie Deli. I guess it's. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's a fa- it's a famous deli that is in New York. It actually closed in 2016, so they don't have Carnegie Deli in New York anymore. They do. Interesting factoid: they do have Carnegie Deli in Las Vegas, where I currently reside. They do have it at one of the casinos. Uh, oh. But yes, they they were doing a Carnegie Deli where they have it's like pastrami sandwiches, and it's not it's not even wow. like the deli they hang out in in the show, but. It's just a famous New York thing, and they. But that's they, what I would. Sorry to cut you off again. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask. Like, yeah. is it the deli? Is it the food? But okay, fine. No, I believe they're hanging out at Stage Deli, which I think is another famous, um, yeah, New York place. Um, but they were doing it like as a callback to old New York, and they were doing 1958 prices. So it was mm. a giant pastrami sandwich for 99 cents called the Maisel, and there was one called the Susie. Um, and they had like their own brand sodas and they had black and white cookies and stuff like that. Uh, but the people that I was around in line, I heard a few people say, I never even heard of the show. So, <laughs> so people were there for the food for the 99 cent food. And I guess the old just New York getting in lines for stuff. Cause that's kind of a thing that New Yorkers are known for. Yeah, I mean, you were in the standby line, so like presumably someone knew about the show and got in there. But you're right; it, it's if it was like the fucking Spider-Man deli or whatever, no one yeah. would be like, "Huh, what? Who's this guy?" <laughs> and it is, but Peter Parker, uh, Panini, what? <laughs> um, <laughs> they, it, it is definitely kind of unknown. Even though we're in the golden age, I golden age of streaming. I don't know if that's accurate, but we're in an age where streaming is taking over mainstream television. Yeah. But any show on mainstream television is still going to be way bigger than streaming, even if it's an indie darling hit like Maisel. Like, even if it's one of the Amazon Prime, like, let's sink as much money into this as possible projects, it's just not going to be as big as something that gets, like, automatically put in people's faces. Well, and especially it being an Amazon Prime thing, because I think a lot of people have Amazon Prime, but they still don't think of it as something for their media tv shows or whatever it's not like netflix it doesn't have that same ring to it where you're just people are always just scrolling through netflix whatever um because i'm even i even have to remind myself i've been trying to check out the new there's a new julia roberts show that's on amazon prime uh there was some other amazon prime show that we liked i think but i can't remember the name of that so that just goes to show you uh where amazon prime's at i mean they the tick i think we watched like an episode of that we kind of dug it uh there was that john claude van johnson show which we liked the pilot and then we never watched it when it went to series so they're still kind of because they're struggling to be that netflix mrs Maisel, i think is one of those shows because it's getting a lot of the right attention so they're going in the right direction yeah, it's kind of similar to, I mean, um, Handmaid's Tale is on Hulu, right? Yeah. So it's kind of their one show that's doing great. So I think they'll do their best to shove it down everyone's throat because it is a great product. Um, I mean, at least the show. I won't tell yeah. you about Amazon Prime, whether you should pay for it or not. Um, but yes, it, it's worth it just to watch The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And I did say it won all the awards like... It's kind of an overstatement, but not really, because I have a list. Golden Globes, they won Best Television Series, Musical, or Comedy, and Best Actress uh, in a 
musical or comedy for Rachel. Um, and then Critics' Choice, Best Comedy Series, Best Actress in a Comedy Series, Producers Guild, Outstanding Producer. Uh, okay, I guess, yeah, fair enough. You need <laughs> awards too. Yeah. Moving on to the primetime Emmys, you got Outstanding Comedy Series, which they won. Outstanding Lead Actress in a Comedy Series also won. Outstanding Supporting Actress in a Comedy Series won that. Outstanding Directing for a Comedy Series. Of course, we need that one. Outstanding Writing for a Comedy Series. All, all of those were, those last two were for Amy Sherman Powell for the pilot which is indeed outstanding absolutely and um what else outstanding casting outstanding <laughs> music supervision outstanding single camera picture editing i mean it deserves all of it as well so i don't i don't know though it's like how do we make this a household name jim i guess it's up to us yeah it's up to us the Maisel men uh although all that mm-hmm. to be said is that <gasps> season two the uh, leaves things to be desired in my opinion um mm, interesting i have a big problem with these first few episodes and it's called paris why the <laughs> fuck are we in paris Hmm, interesting. No, oh. I didn't have that reaction at all. Me and Jim actually haven't discussed these episodes yeah, at no. all until right now. But uh, yeah, let's get into it. Why the fuck are we in Paris? You don't like it? One thing I loved about Paris is the transition, though. The way oh, it, yeah. it's like, uh, what, the Empire State Building and flips upside down to the Eiffel Tower. Mm. I thought that was great. I just feel like we're like off-roading. And, and not to say that I do enjoy her parent, her parents, like the characters, uh, Abe and Rose. Um, I do enjoy them, but I feel like I want to get into Midge and Susie, you know, I don't want to spend all this yeah. time like, and I feel like a, a lot of this season, um, we're kind of taking a back seat, uh, as far as the comedy pursuits are concerned, which is okay, but I didn't feel like we we're going into anything interesting to, for that to take a back seat. Again, I'm not saying this is bad. I still enjoyed the episodes, but I'm 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 antsy. Like, all right, let's get back to New York. Let's get back to uh, Midge and Susie and their kind of uh, superhero and uh, uh, boy wonder <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, relationship. I don't know. That was just my read on on uh, the these initial episodes. I guess no that. That does make sense, especially because um, looking at just the first five, we have Paris, but then we have the Catskills, which I had to Google. Uh, It's just the place like we get thrown into that as well. But it's such an off road again, almost immediately after Paris. Um, So so I could definitely see why you get some frustration there. And and again, going to the cats because Catskills, I was going to call that out as well. Although I do love the one shots they do, like that um, wide one shot when they're going through the house and everything and pulling stuff out, moving furniture around, Abe's up on the balcony and they're like playing out like, well, I mean, this show has amazing one shots because it is, I feel like because they're going for more of a feel of a play and letting these actors really like rapid fire this dialogue and have these back and forth. Like it's so impressive. It's part of the reason, obviously, why... I'm sure we all love this show. Definitely one of the reasons why I love this show. Um, I just, I don't know. I was just, it felt like a little aimless to me. Given, Mm -hmm. you know, we are dealing, I I do want to delve into Rose's arc. I do get like they're paying off stuff from season one where she does feel alone and no one is really confiding in her. No one's really respecting her. 
and she's going off to find her own thing. I just, I don't know. I didn't want to spend as much time with it or I wanted it to be a little bit more uh, involved with Midge's stuff. Okay. No, that's fair. Though, I, I will say when she's in Paris, she is the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. She will wander, like in the uh, pilot, wander up on stage. Like, she'll get up on stage anyway. Uh, let me Did say you, let me say yeah. that I fucking hated this scene, by the way. And I, <laughs> okay. say, I uh, you were talking about when she goes to the, the drag club, right? Or yeah, 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 yeah. I started second-guessing, like, do I like this show? Because... Wow, yeah. I can't have her just stumble on stage again, and then all of a sudden everyone stops and pays attention to her, and she just starts riffing on her day. Uh, well, I, I mean, I guess I can have it, but it felt so forced. What she's, She was trying to help zip up a dress, right? And then she ends up on stage, and now everyone just shuts up and then lets her talk. Uh, and I'm like, oh, my God, do I not like this show anymore? What's going on? <laughs> what is this? Well, especially because no one understands what she's saying. Like, she's speaking English, and yes. they're, all, they're all French. Yes, I forgot. That was actually, yeah, the other. It, it made it a little bit more insufferable because... <laughs> it's like she's talking really fast and then there's someone over talking as well because they're doing a the translation and I get that's mm. a quirky little device they're doing like a fun little device but it just was not working for me okay well the the only reason I, I didn't scoff at that like I do react to like of course she's gonna end up on stage again but um, I don't know maybe it's just a stereotype but I think of like French like, if you go on stage in France in the 50s, I feel like anything could happen. It feels like it's the equivalent of the UCB where people are just waiting for some weird thing to happen and they're going to they're gonna laugh and take part in whatever. Um, but uh, they're, like, open-minded towards the entertainment to the point of the absurd. But um, And I, I felt like they were touching on that kind of playing with it. But I, I, I can see where you're coming from. And, like, I, I remember I messaged you, and we're probably going to jump around a bit, but this is in episode three. Yeah. When uh, Midge helps with the wedding planning, and then during the wedding speech. Oh. Yeah. And, but at the, I'm glad they did what they did because initially I'm like, oh my God, they're doing this fucking thing again, and, and everyone's going to love her. I'm, because I messaged Jacob as the scene was happening. I go, Midge Maisel is insufferable because she just, when she stands up and just starts doing bits. But I like at least this didn't work. At least it didn't work this time. But, I mean, I guess they did a good job of tricking me because it reminded me of the Paris thing. Like, oh, here we go. Midge is going to start going off again. Uh, but at the very least, this didn't work out, and everyone hated her because of it, which is fine. Well, whenever there's a scene where, where she, like, is too confident and, like, think something is gonna work i'm always so uncomfortable because we all have that i think secondhand stage fright of like being on a stage and telling jokes and it's not working and she's so into this and and into this uh subculture of comedy that she turns it into a gig and like it, it's already not great but then she stands up on her chair like can you all see me and i felt so uncomfortable <laughs> oh, watching yeah. it uh because imagine someone doing this and then of course she says like the worst things possible and you're right they like they, you messaged me after like okay they had a point to it because she's like losing her societal filter of what's okay to say and not because she's hanging out with all these comics and absorbing all of that and just actually telling the truth or what she thinks about everything around her which she wasn't doing through 
a lot of her life, maybe. Um, so, so yeah, she she definitely has some uh, some downswing moments. Though towards the end of these five episodes, we are kind of back on track. I mean, she does have a big show to finish out episode five. I mean, she's doing the comedies, pounding the pavement. Even though, yeah, there's a lot of cat sales. Before yeah, that. I want to talk about that, but uh, her thing in episode five. But we'll wait. We'll get to it. Um, sure. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah, I, I do appreciate the fact that that didn't work. I, I kind of wish they... I, I do like that they explore that a bit of, uh, you know, societal norms and kind of being used to just being, like, working blue and maybe cursing a little bit because, you know, sometimes I do I, I do a podcast myself and sometimes we, we, we go work a little blue and then you forget, like, then you're just hanging out somewhere and you're like, oh, wait, what am I saying? You can't talk like this all the time. Uh, there's a certain uh, time and place for this. Uh, so I did, I did like that. Um, but yeah, it was just, they, they did the thing. Uh, a, a lot of shows do this and I think maybe it's even a common season two trope. I'd have to look it up on TV or whatever the fuck. Oh uh, yeah, of course. But they do do that thing here with season two where they, you, you get dropped back into the story in the midst of it. Yeah. And then they, then they flash back to pay off some of the stuff from the finale because, uh, I mean, we should talk about Joel, and I feel like I yeah. remember discussing Joel in season one that I was rooting for Joel. I know it's a common thing. Everyone hates Joel, and I get that, uh, but I'm rooting for Joel, and I'm still rooting for Joel, Team Joel. Well, what I remember is in our in our first discussion, we were saying, ah, we hate Joel, yeah. but Amy Sherman Palladino is definitely going to make us love him. Like, we oh, just yeah. knew, because that's what she does. Um, and indeed, by the end of the season, we were, like, on, on Joel's side, but he was still doing dumb stuff, like, thinking, like, oh, yeah, it's all going to go back to normal, and, and Midge is going to be the housewife again. It's all going to be fine. But then at the end there... I mean, just talking about the first episode where she does end up in Paris, which, to be frank, I didn't mind. I, I was actually fine with it, and I loved the transition from episode one to two with her dad going from, like, oh, complaining yeah. about everything to being I, so, like, in it. I, I love like that. that. Yep. Um, and then, like you mentioned, we get a flashback at some point there while she's in France to what actually happened right after the climax of season one, where we do see Joel see part of the act, rush out, like, I, I remember it raining. I don't know if it actually was, but I remember it raining when he rushed out, like, got on his knees on the pavement and screamed like he was Sp- Spider-Man having just lost his uncle or whatever. Um, and we see the scene after that of Midge getting off stage, getting from Susie the intel that, yeah, he was actually there. And uh, what's what is this actually going to mean for the their relationship um and i love the phone call at the end of episode one as well where joel gets more good guy points by saying like you're too good to stop doing comedy yeah i want you to keep doing it you're great but i can't be the butt of a joke i can't be by your side maybe some better man could do that i just can't so he still loves her and she still loves him. Like we saw at the end of season one, she kind of wanted everything to go back on track, even though it was in conflict with her comedy. And now it is, we see that conflict laid bare. She actually can't get it back. Yeah, because he knows that the reason why she's so good is because she can just, you know, speak her truth and just talk about her life and her day to day. But yeah, he, he, he can't, he's not, I guess, not secure enough to be able to be that 
kind of punchline over and over again that he would be. And yeah, like, because uh, the end of season one is so good when he beats that guy up and he's like, she's good. She's really good. Like, it's such a good oh, moment. Yeah. And it, a lot of people, I mean, I understand hating Joel because, I mean, he is so, like, especially in season one, he's such a pathetic, like, he's he doesn't, he's holding Midge back. He doesn't appreciate her. He doesn't know uh like how good he has it he cheats on her like he does all the wrong things but you know these are the same people that end up rooting for like cersei lannister or whatever or you know or maybe they never watched buffy and like season two spike compared to like season four spike like this this is why we watch tv uh to see these people flesh out and people you hate and then you learn to love um and i just want to root for him because uh yeah he's pathetic but you know, as this season goes too, and as these episodes go, we see some of the good points and we see more importantly, we see why it's not just that Midge married him just because she wanted to get married. We, we, between flashbacks and just seeing when he does the right thing, we understand why Midge loved him at one point. Yeah. And even though we like, I, it is valid that Paris is definitely like an off road. She's back at the start of episode two. Like we're still there with the parents, but like she's back in it. And, uh, I mean, let's talk about Susie for a sec because she gets, gets abducted in episode one. (laughs) Again, reminding me of stuff from season one where I'm like, oh yeah, she did kind of upset that guy, didn't she? And then she gets abducted and has to go and it's i mean it's a great sequence of her hanging out and becoming friends with these guys and getting the warning of like yeah you know you better sort this out we like you we wouldn't rough up a girl like the whole that whole bit is great i mean it's classic amy sherman paladino except i don't think anyone did get abducted in gilmore girls it's kind of (laughs) like raised stakes of gilmore girls uh but in a lovely way um so that's great. Yeah. But then also at the start of episode two, she's staying with Midge while her parents are away. Uh, I mean, Midge's parents, because she's hiding out. And like throughout these episodes, there's really no payoff of her so far of her hiding out from this big entertainment guy. It's just they're kind of getting shit shows and things like that. But then when they end up like up in the Catskills, it's almost like, uh, shouldn't you be happy about this because you're away from the guy who wants to murder you or yeah. does he even want to really to murder you? I don't even know. That's It's a weird business. I mean, it, it is weird with that because it's like it's supposed to be a threat, but then it's kind of not a threat. So it's hard to really gauge where we're supposed to think about that. And I, I guess it's just to because I'm just sitting here the whole time being like, oh, my God, Midge, you need a place. Susie, you need a place. Get a place together. But uh, I don't think it would be a great show if they had a place together, but also it would be the best show. So <laughs> let's just get a place yeah. together. Yeah, they should. Um, because, yeah, they, they're practically living together there at the start of episode two. Uh, Susie's having a bubble bath using the pink soap. Yeah. And uh, Midge's blonde friend comes in, who I forget the name of, though I do love that character uh, and actress. Imogene. Imogene. Yep. That's right. Um, so I, I, I need to see more of her. I hope for more of her in episodes six to 10 because she's great and she's another Amy Sherman Palladino shows and she has that fast talking banter down. And it's also just nice to have a reminder of Midge's life before because Joel's there, but Joel's in on the secret and it's kind of like, yeah, her parents are the big thing hanging over her throughout these episodes as like, oh, when they found out it's going to be a big thing, but... The, like just the different people that she are 
uh, does that make sense? The different people within Midge, like yeah. they're they're more laid bare when she gets to interact with that side of her life as well. Well, and it's playing up. It's the whole thing we talked we talked about this when we talked about season one, uh, especially when we talked about the back half. This is the superhero Mrs. Maisel. The marvelous Mrs. Maisel is a superhero. Midge is her secret identity, and that yep. we're seeing the parts of that of how she has to keep her secret identity secret from her family. Like they are, I mean, I don't know how purposeful they're playing off those tropes, but they absolutely are. Like, because yeah, Susie has to be kind of hidden a little bit. And even from Imogene, she has to kind of play up differences. She does have Joel, who's in on the secret identity. Like, uh, and her superpower is the gift of gab. She goes up there and she could just talk and people start laughing and it just works. Is Susie, uh, I mean, she's obviously got like a sidekick relationship, but is she kind of like the mentor as well in a way? Yeah, she plays a few roles. She's like, she is kind of like the sidekick slash Alfred slash mentor. Yes, <laughs> that's very true. Um, I, I do love that analogy. I mean, they have the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. It's in the title. She does lead multiple lives at the same time. And uh, yeah, it, it, we should make a video essay about it pronto. Yeah. Um, so Joel also, uh, he actually ends up at his father's business, which we mainly saw like in passing in season one. But now uh, Joel's having a look under the actual hood of the engine of, well, having a look at the engine of the business, and the engine's fucked. Yeah. Um, so he's like doing his best to actually get it back on track. And it's kind of a distraction from what the other problems in his life, but it's also like, I need to do something in the day, and your business is failing. He hears his parents are worried about it. So he's actually putting in some work there, also making him more likable because he's basically right about his ideas. Yeah. But I also like that his dad is kind of right too because he fires these two guys, but then he has to hire them back because, no, I need them for this archaic reason. Yes, yeah, it's like their wives are some of my best tailors or whatever it is. So there are these weird politics behind some of the choices. You can tell that... Uh, Amy Sherman Palladino is having a blast with little quirks of Joel's parents, uh, Moish and I'm spacing on his mother's name, but of how they like have, you know, this is the bribery money and these are like, this is this that we do. And this is the hidden money in her books and all that. Like a lot of fun things that they're, that are going on, but yes, we do get to see Joel working towards a goal, being good at it. And, uh, I mean, he still has some missteps because I think it's in this episode. Yeah, he tries to, like, just shove this apartment on Midge. I mean, he, he's doing what you're supposed to do, I guess. He's trying to provide for his family, but it's just done in this weird Joel way. Yeah, and the weird thing is that he can't pay for it. Like, yeah. was that was, like, an issue in season one where he was lying about finances and keeping her out of things, right? Um, yeah, I think he's just doing the thing where, like, okay, I'm working at my parents' place now, so I'm going to have money coming in, so might as well, we'll just get the apartment now because everything's obviously going to come together, so let's just do this. But it wasn't an apartment for him, um, which I guess is heroic but also weird, like, because he needs a place first because he's yes. still with his parents yeah but yeah so it, it's kind of weird um and yeah a misstep like you said and speaking of looking at new places i mean they do tie it together because at the same time uh rose is uh bringing uh Mitch's dad Abe. into a, a much nicer place in paris because they were staying at this shit place and he's been so great this episode about like 
right, I'll do what she needs. I'll be here. I'll be a Paris guy for now. And it's only when it becomes real, showing this new place, that it's like she's trying to copy the bits she likes from New York and put them in here, where he's like, no, no, the reason I can do this is that it's different because it's temporary. Yeah. That's why I can be this. Um, and yeah, so that's when he says no. Though at the end of the episode, I mean, he does change. Uh, so even though it, it's a bit of an offshoot, I still think it pays off enough and it resolves a lot of stuff from season one because he is different by the end of it. I completely agree. Uh, at, the, at the end of the day, even though I had kind of problems with like, it was just kind of a rough, rough goings to start off for me because I was kind of ready for something else and you know they i guess they subverted my expectations but i do love the moment when it seems like everything's back the way it was and poor rose is left there by herself and then abe comes back into the room and you he is a different person he does want to he does want to have that you know the the moments they had in paris they can have it in new york they can spend time together you can appreciate her a lot more so uh yeah it does pay off and it does have a nice arc there um uh, also in this episode we do have midge getting bumped uh when she goes to her gig or what have you and it's a yep. little weird like on one hand like obviously they're trying to say something like that you know midge constantly has to try to gain respect in these clubs everyone always thinks she's a singer they constantly say stuff like she doesn't look funny um but on the other hand it's kind of like yeah, but you're nobody. You get bumped. That's what happens. Like it's yeah. It's it, on one hand, it's kind of like, all right, are you entitled already, Midge? But they're they're clearly using it for a certain point. So I do get that. But it's just tough because sometimes I'm like, yeah, but comedians get bumped. That wouldn't really matter. But they do clearly not respect her, and it is nice when she goes up and kind of uh, roasts them. But then of course that doesn't play out too well because the shitty Booker is like, those are my best guys. No, but it does because he's like, those are my best guys. Oh, if you're not careful, I'll never book you again <laughs> yeah, because yeah. he recognizes that she does well and like makes everybody laugh. So it still works out really kind of. Um, so, But but yeah, you're right. I mean, and, people get uh, bumped. And also they're at a disadvantage because they pissed off the main booker guy or whatever, the, the agent. Yep. So they're already fucked on that account. And then she gets bumped to the end. Like they make it as bad as possible. She got stains on her dress. The light's not working. But she claws her way back up a little bit there by shitting on them. So, I mean, she, she did the right thing. I and, still liked it. No, absolutely not. I agree. And then they, we do get to, it's a nice solidarity dynamic duo moment because Susie comes through with the... Uh, spotlight Light. for so they yeah. they are a team they are like showing everyone that they are they belong there and it's them versus the world and that's that's what I've been looking that's what I'm looking for so I mean I'm it didn't take too long to get to it I, you know it's just by the end of episode two but you know I was just already gung ho like hell yeah Midge and Susie and then I'm like what we're in Paris god damn it yes and um so we do have the entire episode three there before. We might go to the Catskills, but I feel like even after just five episodes, I feel like I've been in the Catskills and I don't know if it's skills or hills yeah. or whatever, but I feel like I've been there for two years. Yeah. Like this is my Paris yeah. Uh, yeah. of like, it's got fun moments, but it's really like just the way it's positioned in the season, right? As things are getting going, I'm Susie. I'm like, you need to be out there beating the pavement. And she's like, what? But I need to go do fucking Simon Says or whatever. Yeah, and it, it's uh, w one thing I do kind of admire um, Amy Sherman Palladino for is like, 
I mean, at least based off social media, I mean, I can't say this for like everyone, but at least based off social media, you know, and I mean, I guess turn on the news. There's a lot of classism going on. There's a lot of like, you know, the rich people are evil and uh, let's tear them down, which is fine. But I feel like it's got to be a challenge. I mean, between this and Gilmore Girls, like she's not afraid to be like, no, these are fucking privileged ass people and we're going to hang out with them and you're going to really like them. Like we're not going to paint them as villains just because they're well off or whatever. And cause, and especially like they do have Susie. So that is a nice, like, uh, you know, uh, something to play off of other side of the coin because she has to wander around with a plunger just so they think she's works there. Cause it's yeah. really hard to relate where they're like, Oh no, we go up to the Catskills for two months every summer. And, and we all know the dance and the sayings and it's just, you, you can go with your family and not work for a summer and just hang out. Uh, yeah. so, we can all relate to that, right, Jim? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, but I appreciate that she does that because I feel like the easier thing to do, and not even that it would be a bad thing to do. I'm not against having evil rich people. There are a lot of evil rich people in the real world you could pull from, but I feel like it's got to be an extra challenge to kind of make them still endearing and people that you root for, uh, even though they're clearly like very rich and privileged. Yeah, and I also feel like this is something um they like just happened to have found out about or had knowledge about beforehand when writing this of like oh yeah there were these weird resorts like because <laughs> they do they they play off a lot of things and make jokes about all the stuff here like we know what the fuck is going on kind <laughs> yeah, of yeah that's true uh, in a in a great way like it just feels like this is something that we never would have thought of that of course there's camps Basically, like big big boy summer camps, you go to, but you do it for all ages, and it's like, I mean, it's kind of like segregated because this is the Jewish camp, and that's not weird apparently, um, because they they have all these jokes about it, and I guess there's another one for like, do just Jewish people do this, or are there other camps for resorts? I should say for other types of people, yeah. like. It's so weird that they had to put it in. Uh, <laughs> I guess I don't blame them. It's also obviously a vehicle to get like a new potential love interest involved here, which I haven't seen played out fully here in the first five episodes, but there is a guy. He doesn't row. Oh, he's all weird and quirky. He's like the, the midge mazel of men. He's like a mazel yeah. man. Yeah, Benjamin comes through, and uh, Zachary Levy, Levi, I don't know how you say it, but he's a likable dude. I like him. He's, he's from the show Chuck. I don't know if you ever watched that. Uh, he's also the voice of the guy in Tangled, uh, and he's going to be in the upcoming Shazam movie. So, yeah, it was interesting that they cast him. They do kind of just drop him in. I guess it it makes sense because it's the old, like, the old uh, cliche of, I mean, I guess not just Jewish mom, but the mom in general, like, has to push her to get into a new relationship, marry a nice man. He's a doctor. He's Jewish. Uh, why not? Let's set her up. And it, yep. it's also the great thing of, like, when you know midge obviously is not into it because her mom's pushing her towards it but then when he's kind of different than you expect and then maybe her mom doesn't fully approve now it's like ooh, who is this handsome man yes uh very true and so i i was complaining about the time we spent here at the resort but at the same time just like paris like a little bit into episode five uh midge just goes back because she gets a call from the revlon counter she has to go and work at the makeup stand again and i i definitely related to Susie when she called her in new york like 
what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. I'm still here? Yeah. Like, what's the most <laughs> fucked up thing you could do? Leave me here. Remember how I followed you here to help you out and you went back to New York, the place I wanted you to be all along? But then she kind of just zips back and forth, kind of, and, uh, yeah, she's she she gets up there after her long date with this guy. Yes, yeah, and I'll, I just want to backtrack a little bit, uh, kind of yeah. calling out a few scenes. Like, I love the use of the toys and how... Then you find out they're not toys. It's like Abe's vacation planning of how he's going to pack everything and get that get out there and like the way they're shot yeah. at the beginning. And then when they do the dance contest, I mean, if you watch Gilmore Girls, they had a dance contest and that as well, but it's shot so cool. And like, I don't know how they're keeping up with like their marks and nailing some lines and stuff like that. Um the bikini pageant stuff and like the weird little politics of how, you know, Midge has won every year, but now it's like, well, you're technically not married or whatever. And you're kind of bringing this weird shame. So we don't want you involved. Like there's, a, there is still a lot of cool stuff, but I'm also with you. I'm also like, why the fuck are we in the cat skills? Uh, but then it, 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 like the initial reaction is kind of like, what the fuck? But then when we start breaking down the details, it's like, oh, this is great. This is great. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. You're right. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. And that's, I feel, one of the strengths of the the writing of how they put it together, because they do not do the thing that you would expect, really, in general. But then it ends in a place where you're like, oh, of course, it's like inevitable at the end. You're, it's unexpected, but inevitable at the end that like, yeah, this makes so much sense that it mm-hmm. happened this way. And yeah, about the toys, what, gotta love that camera movement, how fast the camera pulls back there to reveal all the rows of clothes that they're bringing. And Abe's going around yelling about, no, the I have it to precision, to perfection. I have it all calculated. And then later, like when he's drinking, trying to calculate the drinks and he can't even watch the fireworks. I mean, there's great stuff in here. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. And then Abe's calisthenics and he wears his jumper or romper or whatever it is. And it's... Uh... I, I mean, I guess thinking about it now, because I'm saying how like, oh, I want more of the comedy. I want more of him and Susie. Like, this is important. We do need to know, like, Midge Maisel. We need to see her regular life. Uh, and it does show, like, like her blind spots because she doesn't even – she mentions to Susie she's going on vacation, and she just assumes Susie knows that it's for two months. When yeah. Susie, like a normal person, is like, okay – so next week when you're back, you know, I got all these gigs set up. He's like, no, I'm not going to be back in a week. Are you serious? You go on vacation for a week? Oh, and the fact that she gave her a friendship ring. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> when she's like, we're not friends. You see a little friendship ring here or something? No, this is a business relationship. It's like, I got you a present. Is it a ring? <laughs> <laughs> is it silver? <laughs> or like, is it gold? Whatever she says. Yeah, no, you're you're totally right. And I mean, I wouldn't trade seeing... Like, I don't mind... Seeing the exercise clothes isn't that funny, yeah. but the conversations with Joel are so great. When he, yeah. And his comedic pauses and timing of like, I'm thinking about where I should put it on and show you just to get it out of the way. The shock. <laughs> like, it's so good. Um, yeah, because so I, yes. I guess I kind of do appreciate you because you, you would think that they're going to go with the way the discussion is about it that they could go over the top and have just him wearing like a Borat bikini or whatever. But no, he's yeah. just kind of wearing like some tights. It's not even that big of a deal. But yes, the buildup and just the fact that everyone talks about it makes it so much funnier. Yes. Um, and before we go into like the end of episode five, we did uh, sort of go through quite quickly a lot of episode three there. There's a couple of other things 
going on there, I think, where, like, yeah, Rose is doing painting, and we see how their relationship has developed after the Paris trip. Abe does this hilarious lecture where he's walking through the college as he's going, and they're all taking notes, and everyone just loves Abe. All his students are trying to suck up to him because they're all just as big at nerds as he are. Uh, He is. Jeez, I can't talk. Um, And that's great, and conversations where Rose has to see someone's penis and paint it and then they they get called in because she sort of asks the ladies what their plans are in life and uh, they don't like that they don't want people to think too much about that in higher education yeah and the way they handle it and the way Abe is like so smooth talking with it and he's like well she's just sta- like how many teachers I've never even thought about that oh my god and like it just it, he turns it into it's just a great point and she's doing an awesome thing and he won't it and it's it's great that he's going to bat for her. he's not going to accept that she has to leave because then it's like no then she's going to go back to Paris and you know we, we live in New York uh, yeah. and um, and then the end when Susie's trying to like you know scrape by she's selling her records and she finds the Mrs. X record and it's like what the fuck this is my girl like that like it's such a great moment as well I mean yeah there's all kinds of good shit it's a reason why this show's winning awards it feels like if I was on the outside and I didn't watch the show because I've seen some of the promos uh like mm-hmm. uh, like uh I've seen even like the commercials just during like a, like a TV show like I think I was watching Food Network but these promos, dude, they just assume you know what it is. Like they show, um, oh shit, maybe this has not been an episode yet, but they show a scene when Midge and her mom come out and they're like, we got the rabbi. And it's just like, no, that's not, and it's like, it, no one knows. Happened yet. Yeah. No one knows what the, but either way, like no one knows what that is. If you saw that in a promo yeah. and they're like, the marvelous Miss Maisel, we got the rabbi. And everyone's like, what the fuck? Am I supposed to watch this? Cause I assume from the outside, you would assume like, Oh, this is just masturbatory Hollywood. They love this show because it's about a performer. And yeah. I'm sure there's elements of that, but it's also brilliantly directed, brilliantly written. The actors are brilliant. Like, there's so much good stuff going on. It's completely worth your time, I said in uh, 40 minutes into the <laughs> episode. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, absolutely. Um, so, so a couple of things. First off, I I think you, I think it is difficult to cut a promo for this show where you yeah. would get it because you should do it like a superhero promo, like because that's the great way to explain the show of having like take stuff from the pilot with Midge having a perfect home life and then like and by night and then she's like telling all these jokes and and like the mobs the mob coming to rough up Susie and like do some quick cuts of that and then you're like bam you got it she's leading a double life it's a great story and she's like struggling to make her own way in the world like it you can show that but it's like we got the rabbi it's like what the fuck are you talking (laughs) about like it doesn't clearly present what the what the actual show is about unfortunately because I didn't like when we watched the pilot we didn't or I didn't know you knew but I didn't know what the concept of the show was and when she stepped up on stage I was like this is awesome she's gonna be a comic oh my god mind blown like that's the pitch put that in the fucking commercials maybe yeah yeah oh and i do want to call out since we're talking about episode three uh the family that's living in Susie's apartment and then they're watching luigi tv when (laughs) there's the kid just goes out to the window and pretends he's doing a tv show (laughs) that's one of those things that we could see in another show and it would not be funny but it's like 
it's so because it's so quirky and kind of over the top but it just works because of the way it's put together and and just the timing and everything in the show because that could be in like a bad sitcom with a laugh track yeah and it wouldn't be funny but they do it funny and same with Um, the treasure map and like it ends up being like a nice interaction with midge and joel where you know she has to search in the closet behind like the like a sawed off wall where there's a bag of money hidden. uh which it, it, uh, has an extra payoff because of her like conversation with Susie, where Susie doesn't have any money, and she's like, "I just found two grand in my closet." And she's like, "This is what I'm talking about. You don't understand me or my life." <laughs> um, but I, I would say as well, hopefully this will come back in six to ten. But I mean, the ending there with Susie finding the record, I thought that was like a turning point because. All the episode, she's talking about how she doesn't have any money and she's screwed and she's selling her records, selling everything. And then she finds that, hey, you've been selling shit from my clients. So obviously we want a cut of that. How many did you sell? She says at the end. But there's two more episodes after this and it's all about the Catskills. So like, yeah. I, I have no idea. Like, Hopefully that'll pay off. It just made sense that it would, that she wouldn't be in as dire straits, and also that they could maybe use the fact that the record's out there somehow. Yeah, and get some sort of royalties or turn it into some sort of revenue stream. Uh, I yeah. do like the, uh, in episode five, where there's like Chester is on to Susie, like he's kind of like doing what Susie's doing. He's like, I get it. Yeah, plunger. Yeah. It's pretty genius. Uh, and he kind of keeps like, they keep like locking eyes at certain situations and he's kind of like mouthing stuff to her and giving her like the thumbs up. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, I like, we're seeing here with, with Benjamin and now now he's giving her a ride and they're starting to kind of bond a bit because she's doing bits and he's laughing. So he's picking up on that she's funny and talented. Meanwhile, Joel... Like, it's weird because I thought he knew he was flirting, but then when Moish's dad comes over, he's like, why are you not paying attention to this girl? Uh, yeah. And he's kind of pushing him to like, well, you, you need to move on with your life as well because if Midge is doing the same. I do like I think they show he's noticing that Midge is kind of like laughing and with Benjamin and then he like looks yeah. in and sees Joel. So he's he's being perspe- uh, perceptive and picking up some stuff. I, I do want more of Joel's parents because they're hilarious, and I really like. Um, damn, who's the actor that plays Moish? Uh, I can't think of his name offhand. I'll pull it up. I'm kind of fine. Kevin Pollock. Joel's parents. I'm. I'm getting the right amount of Joel's parents. Oh, I couldn't handle it. I an love Kevin Pollock on them. I mean, yeah. I guess I'm not so much his mom, but I really like Kevin Pollock. I just like him as an actor, yeah. so maybe that's why I like him in this role. Sure. Um, and about the flirting, I agree. I thought he was flirting, but then the next scene when they cut back, he's like, just throw it straight. Like, <laughs> throw the bowling ball straight. And he's, like, just annoyed about it. So, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And in this episode, well, this episode was a weird timing wise to me because she gets the call and she's, she's got an opportunity to be on the makeup counter. So she that's why she needs to rush home to work. And then Ben asks her out on a date which I thought was like, he said tomorrow night or something, but then all of a sudden they're just on the date. I thought uh, so too. Yeah. And, but she does, I do like that. They have the moment where she f- just kind of blurts out that she's a comedian. Uh, they go to the Lenny Bruce show. Lenny approves of Benjamin. Um, it is nice that they're being very straight of like, no, this isn't about Lenny Bruce and M- Midge Maisel having an affair. Cause I remember I was a little worried about that, like going through season one. Uh, yeah. and I think they're kind of putting the, the old, uh, kibosh on that. Um, 
And yeah, you're right. You called out how Susie finds out Midge is back in New York City. Why the fuck are you there? And I'm here. Uh, oh, and then, yeah, we get back. Astrid, I love uh, her brother's wife. Because I remember we right. really liked her in season one. And I kind of forgot about the character. But then she pops yeah. up here. Because at first I'm like, wait, who is? who are these people again that she's in the car with? Are these Joel's friends? Oh, no, it's her brother. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, because she has to go back to do a big gig, and like it's pointed out when she gets there, this is the biggest room she's ever played to. This is this is kind of a big deal. And the manager or booker is there like, she doesn't look funny, where's the makeup and all that. She better look funny or I'm not paying. <laughs> yeah. Um, and all of this leads up to her. Cause when she's going out there, I'm like, is it going to go shit? Because these people are like not the kind of crowd she plays for or whatever. But then, no, it's like the midnight thing. They want it to be raunchy. And she's doing a great thing because she's picking up all uh, the stuff about this resort and, like, because they're all familiar with it. So you love hearing that. And she's doing great jokes. And then her dad's there and uh, just staring at her. And, like, the look of... I I don't even know. The look on his face is so heartbreaking, kind of. Yep. When, When she just... I think this is why that that scene at the weddings there a couple of episodes ago where she doesn't have a filter because she's on stage and she's getting manic but but like she's still tossing out jokes and i was like oh it's all gonna go to shit now because her dad's there but no she keeps going and just goes on autopilot and says awful things about her family mm-hmm. even though she knows he's there because it just takes over and and she has to do something to to keep it going um so i guess that's why that scene had to be there in episode three yeah, yeah. And I like that it's so telegraphed uh, because he skips Polynesian night, but it's done where you forget. Like at least yeah. for me, like I forgot, oh yeah, he's not at Polynesian night and it it it, it was like a genuine surprise like, "Oh fuck, he's in the audience." I kind of had a problem that she still killed. Um I didn't buy that personally because yeah, like to what you're saying, I would understand that. Like she is kind of on autopilot, but she's doing this thing where she keeps mumbling after the joke. And yeah, I feel yeah. like I don't feel like she would have killed like that. Like it's like comedy. Obviously, is a lot of timing and a lot of like holding the audience's attention and, uh, you know, really ha- hammering those punchlines. But she's like undercutting every punchline understandable because her dad's in the audience and she's saying this ridiculous stuff and she's still going into it. I just... I feel like they cheated by making her still kill. Like they could have made her kill and not see that he's in the audience till after or something. Or, I mean, they could have had her bomb, but I guess I understand why they didn't do that. Cause that's almost more predictable that she would have bombed because it's in the audience. I just, it didn't quite sit right to me that she kills with the way she was delivering her, her jokes. Yeah, but some of them, though, uh, weren't even really jokes. She's saying, like, something automatically about, like, even my mother would give it up for a Sinatra ticket. And then she's like, no, she wouldn't. And, like, they're <laughs> laughing at that part as well. That's true. And she's it's not even intentionally a joke. Um, and I would also say that it does kind of cut. So I'm going to assume that she isn't mumbling the whole way through the act. Yeah. Like, it does cut to the end of the act. Because by then, she's built up some weird situation. And she's like, and my mother is fucking the clown <laughs> or something. I, I don't know what she's saying. Uh, but she's she's built it up to that level. So I'm assuming she doesn't ramble through the whole thing. The reason why she has to kill it is because... 
it's got to be in contrast. So, uh, like, Susie's there is so happy, and you see the look on her face. She's devastated. The booker wants to get her back. All right, she's great. Get her. She's so funny. And meanwhile, everything's falling down for her personally. Yeah. So you need to get that contrast in there. If she'd bombed, it, it wouldn't make that much sense because this is her world's colliding. So she has to kill it because that shows what she's potentially losing if her dad stops her from ever doing it again, for example. No, I agree. Yeah, she can't bomb, but it's just tough for me to believe because the show's telling me like even like going back to the promoter and how he's basically saying she sucks already like you know he she doesn't look funny she's not gonna be funny this better be funny but then she's kind of not being great on stage but he's still like oh my god you you are so like to win him over i feel like you would have had to have been amazing and especially the way like the show plays with that that she has to really excel to be as good as she is because no one's really giving her a chance it was just a little harder for me to believe because she's kind of so not into it at least maybe maybe it's just because i'm you know with midge and i know she's freaking out it just i don't know it just felt tough that she would still kill no i that's fair uh i mean it's part of her superpower which we have seen sometimes that it's like yeah this wouldn't really play out this way kind of like in france kind of like i don't know there was something last season where there's like a a, a protest or a speech in the park and <laughs> she just right. randomly gets handed like oh yeah let's listen to the marvelous mrs Maisel." it's like it's literally her superpower yeah but yeah my excuse would be that it does cut and she's like and the donkey who looks like my father stands <laughs> up and says i found the quote who else wants a piece of this yeah. good night everybody so yeah, she's actually true. like worked it back from there i'm assuming yeah i mean i know i'm being i'm being a stickler because obviously the show's heightened it's not fucking you know supposed to be a documentary or something so i know i'm being kind of a stickler i just i i just couldn't help i had to make a note of it i still it's such a great moment and his reaction is so perfect and her reaction is so perfect and it's you know dr- dramatically we've been building to this uh for what was season one was like eight episodes eight episodes instead of ten i think so for yeah. you know this whole half of this season and all of last season building to this moment and now we're here and then we get the good moment when they're in the car and it's like are we in trouble and it's like uh uh-oh like it it, it's kind of a perfect capper for us to be discussing because it's like a nice little button to end on before we get into the back half of the season yeah i just wanted to say as well this is like 10 years after who's on first so like this is where comedy's at at the moment jim yeah. it doesn't take that much to kill okay True, fair like, enough. <laughs> she they didn't understand about like i think lenny bruce maybe or someone is doing a bit where he's talking and then turning around and talking and turning around and talking it's like i don't think they'd understand that those were different people <laughs> like yeah i don't trust the audience enough at this point you haven't been cultivated like us in 2018 to understand all the layers of comedy that we unpack for you here on Maisel, man well you're right it could just be hitting on the note of like oh wow you know pretty girl says swears like can you believe she's saying swears (laughs) that's why the booker comes in like i can't believe it this is amazing she said a swear i mean i guess to be fair it was in the late 80s when andrew dice clay was saying naughty nursery rhymes and people were eating that shit up so there you go (laughs) yeah so this is the first five episodes yeah Uh, it's had some ups had some downs i mean overall it still feels on track i actually haven't seen the last five i know jim you've actually gone through the whole thing already so 
Well, but we're going to come back and discuss the last five here uh, in our next episode of Men. But until then, please do feel free to leave us a review. Uh, I know we don't come up with episodes so often, but like the show, is, they drop it all at once. We can't do one an episode like it's too good. We have to just we have to go through it. So yeah. please do leave a review, though, and send your thoughts on Maisel to showswhatyouknowshow at gmail.com. Uh, that once again, that shows what you know. Show at gmail dot com. Just send any thoughts you have. We'll include it in our next discussion. Absolutely, and go to showswhatyouknow dot com. You can find our discussions on other television shows. Uh, and we're on a Sopranos kick right now. Make sure to check that out. All kinds of good stuff. Uh, I'm Mrs. Maisel. Thank you. Good night. Now you say it. Oh, yes. Thank you. Well, this doesn't make sense. Uh, We'll need a better bit, but we'll work on the bits. See, this is why we're not Maisel. Like, we can't can't just do it. We can't wing it. Just because there's a mic in front of me, it doesn't make me a magical person. Thank you. Good night. No, you're supposed to say I'm Mrs. Maisel as well. We're both Mrs. Maisel. I thought I was supposed... But we're the Maisel men. I know. I know. I'm Mrs. Maisel. Good night. Oh, my God. My dad's in the crowd. I... Completely choked. Thanks, everybody. (laughs) Later.